Let's begin by reading from Second Peter chapter one, verses one to four. Here's what we read in Second Peter one one to four. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Notice as we begin that the author identifies himself as Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter calls himself both a servant and an apostle of the Lord Jesus. Notice the connection in these two words, servant and apostle. Now, we know that an apostle was a very important position in the early church. And it was a position that demanded much respect because these men personally knew the Lord Jesus and he taught them and when he walked on this earth. The apostles had been chosen, particularly by Jesus, to build the church. They had been given particular gifts to confirm their apostleship and calling. The Lord Jesus entrusted these men to hand down the truth that he had taught them to the church. The word of an apostle then was highly respected as it is today. The New Testament was written primarily by these apostles, and we trust their words as authoritative for the church of our day. Notice, however, how Peter combines the word servant and apostle. In fact, he places the word servant before apostle. He was first a servant of Jesus Christ, and he did this as an apostle. Now, it doesn't matter what your position in the church might be. If you are not first and foremost a servant, you are misusing your position. Your title does not make you more important. If anything, it gives you more obligation to serve. Consider the words of Jesus in this regard when he writes in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrust much, they will demand the more. Notice here that Peter saw himself as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. It was to Jesus that he was obligated. He was accountable to Jesus Christ for, for the calling and gifts that had been entrusted to him. Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Notice next to whom Peter writes. 
to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter writes, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with his. He had no privileges as an apostle that were not given to all who belonged to Jesus Christ. He was not more important than any other member of the church. He did not have a higher standing with God because of his title. Peter, although he was an apostle, had a faith of equal standing with every believer in Jesus Christ. He was a sinner forgiven by Jesus Christ. He was dependent on Christ as much as any other person for salvation. The same Holy Spirit lived in him as in every believer. It was the righteous work of Jesus Christ that saved him as it does us. Now, Peter was an impulsive man. He made bold claims he could not keep. He denied the Lord Jesus three times. He abandoned Jesus in his time of trial and crucifixion. Peter had no pretense that he was any better than anyone else. He knew his past sin, and he was grateful for the mercy of Christ to forgive. It doesn't matter who you are or what you your calling is. It doesn't matter how many years you've been with, been with the Lord and been a believer. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you have memorized. All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done. We're all unworthy of his grace. We have all fallen short of his standard. We have all we are all dependent on Christ for our forgiveness, and apart from his work in us, we are enemies of God and destined to be separated from him. Don't ever lose that perspective. We are nothing in ourselves, but Christ is everything. The moment we begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves is the moment we begin to fall. Peter never lost sight of the fact that he had an equal standing with every other believer. He was no more important, no more significant than any other believer. He owed everything to Jesus Christ. Now, Peter begins his letter with a blessing on his readers. In verse 2, we read, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The apostle prays for grace and peace to be multiplied to his readers. His prayer is that the favor of God be showered down upon us. That's his heart. It's God's desire as well to favor us as his children. He wants to bless and minister to us. We don't always deserve it. In fact, we never deserve it. But he wants still, nonetheless, to pour his blessings down upon us. It's true. 
that there are many things that get in the way of these blessings in our lives. Our pride and our sin often stand between us and our God. But if there's one thing certain, however, it is that God has our interest in mind and desires to bless. And one of those blessings is peace. Peace is a result of resting in Christ. It's the fruit of trusting in a sovereign Lord and knowing that all things work together for good to those who love him. Now, I've met a lot of believers who push away the favor of God, the grace of God. They, they think somehow that because they don't deserve the blessing of God, they, should, they feel that they shouldn't experience it. They, they feel that somehow they should suffer all their lives because they don't deserve the grace and favor and love of God. They choose to live a life of internal strife and turmoil and don't seek to walk in the peace that the Lord wants to give them. Peter understood what it was like to feel guilt and shame over denying Jesus three times, yet he prays that, that God would, would fill that, these believers with peace. He knew what it was like to live, uh, to, to, to abandon Christ in his hour of crucifixion, and yet he boldly prays for mercy. Do we dare pray for those prayers today, these prayers today? We can only pray them if we understand that God, Peter describes for us here, a God of mercy, a God of grace and peace who wants to show us this blessing, who wants to shower these things upon us. He calls out to us. Peter's prayer is that God, the God of grace and mercy and peace, would favor and pour out his blessings upon those who belong to him. We too need to be ready to pray those prayers, though we don't deserve them. God is willing to shower upon us the grace and favor and peace that we do not deserve. Now, Peter has just prayed for grace and peace for those who read this letter. But he goes further in verse 3 when he tells us that this God of mercy and peace and grace has, has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peter tells us here that everything we have that we need for life has been a gift to us from God. Can anyone really believe that God does not want to shower us with his blessings when every breath we take is from him, when every beat of our heart is a gift from him. Why did God create a world that is much bigger than, than we could ever experience? Our eyes will never see the fullness of this world. Our ears will never hear the, the, the fullness of what God has, has created. The intricacies of nature with all its beauty and color are, are all for us to enjoy. From the vastness of space to the smallest atom, everything testifies to the grace and generous mercy of God towards humanity. Everything I need for life, I find in him. 
But notice also that Peter tells us that this God who supplies everything we need to live and experience this life also supplies everything I need for godliness. Now, godliness is not just about being good and pleasing God. Godliness pertains to a relationship with God. It it speaks of fellowship with Christ and his purpose. It's about being who I was created by God to be. It's about forgiveness of sin and my eternal destiny in his presence. It's about the person of God's spirit living and working in me. Now, the apostle who had fallen numerous times tells us that the God who provides everything for life will also provide everything for godliness. He's paid for our sins through his son on the cross. He's given us his Holy Spirit to enable and empower us in the Christian life. He has prepared for us a place in heaven. He promises that that we are more than overcomers through Christ. We are the branches on the vine receiving that life-giving, fruit-bearing sap and the very life of Christ pours through us, leading us on to victory. We lack nothing for life. We lack nothing for godliness. The generous mercy of the Lord God supplies us with everything we need. And Peter tells us that all of this is possible through his divine power, the very power of God working in us and through us. All of this has become a reality through the knowledge of him who called us to his own His own glory and excellence. When we came to know Christ, when we were called to know him and came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, everything changed. He called us into the experience of his glory, into the experience of his excellence. And when we heard that call and responded, the mercy of God was showered down upon us. His peace filled us. The presence of the Spirit of God indwelt us. The forgiveness of God set us free. The doors of heaven opened up and the blessings of God were showered out upon us as his children. And all of this was through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Do we understand the power that is available in Christ? Do we understand the person who lives in us now that we are in Christ? Are we still living in poverty when the vast resources and blessings of heaven have been, have our name written upon them? We have no excuse. Peter speaks here of the generosity of the living God. We have no need that he cannot supply. We have no lack as long as he is a God of mercy and peace. We have everything we need for life. We have everything in him we need for godliness and a relationship with him. God The generous God of mercy and peace supplies it all. As we move now to verse 4, the man who often failed God, Peter himself, reminds us that through the Lord Jesus, the Father, has granted to us his precious and great promises so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature. God has made many great and wonderful promises to his people. 
He promises never to leave us or forsake us. He promises that, that we are more than conquerors through Him. He promises eternal life to all who believe. He promises forgiveness of sin. These are precious and great promises. Now notice the purpose of these promises, so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature. It's the heart of God, and he gives us these promises for this purpose, that we share in his nature. That's to say that we become like him, that we share his heart, that we experience intimacy with him, that we enjoy him. All of these promises have their intention of to draw us into the very presence of the Father so that we can enjoy and rejoice in him. He gives us all we need for life and godliness so that we can be with him and enjoy him forever. Our hearts and lives will be filled with joy and delight in him and nothing will ever be able to take us away from him. These precious promises of eternal life in his presence are promises that we must take seriously, are promises that fill our hearts with joy and satisfaction and delight. Notice finally what Peter tells us about what we have escaped in the person of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 4, we read, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The rich mercy and grace of God has set us free from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now consider this corruption for a moment. It was the sinful desire of Cain that lashed out at his brother Abel, killing him and causing deep and lasting grief for his parents. The sinful passions of the people of Noah's day stirred up the anger of God to send a flood devouring the world as they knew it. The sinful passions of David caused Bathsheba to become pregnant, her husband to be killed and their child to die. Our passions today have led to, to mass suicides and wars and horrible abuses of all kinds. Our sinful passions have led to moral decay and hopelessness in our world. And ultimately, these sinful passions will lead us to an eternal separation from God, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, says Peter, has set us free from this corruption in him. We have hope of eternal life. We have freedom. We have delight and satisfaction. Peter describes for us a God who longs to bless and who has indeed blessed us abundantly. You can be an apostle or just a plain ordinary believer. It doesn't matter to God. His blessing is the same for the greatest and for the least. We all have an equal standing with him and an equal right before him. His grace is for all who will come to him. He invites us to tap into this divine power and the resources of heaven that have been put at our disposal. Those resources are available to all who will come to him. And we will, according to his precious and great promises, lack nothing in life, or in godliness, because he will supply everything we need. 
Peter tells us that he has, God has set us free at the cost of his son's life so that we can be partakers of his divine nature. All the resources of heaven have been made available so that we can partake in that divine nature. This brings us, of course, to an important question. Am I a partaker of that divine nature? Do I know this life in me? Have I been granted the grace to overcome? Have I tapped into that grace and mercy? Do I know the work of His Spirit in me to shape me into the image of Christ? Am I aware of this presence, or is it a foreign concept to me? Peter tells us that the grace and peace of Christ is available to us, and equal standing as the apostles themselves is yours. The divine power of God is made available to you. His great and precious promises are yours to claim. You have been called into the knowledge of God and his Son, and he's inviting you to partake in the divine nature. Will you walk as an unbeliever in light of these truths? Will you be overcome when all of this is available to you? Don't go through life not experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. I've met too many believers who have never tapped into the supply that God has for them. Too many believers are living in defeat when the riches of heaven are at their disposal. And so may God give us the grace to tap into what is ours in Jesus Christ and what he longs to give so that we can be partakers of the divine nature with him, overcomers in the world and fellow heirs of all that is ours through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 